Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and joining me as always in the virtual studios from South Bend, Indiana, is my friend and compatriot and the man who had the original voice of Darth Vader in Star Wars, Ken Hellanius. Ken, how are you doing, my friend? And thank you for filling in for me the past couple of weeks. Oh, well, welcome back. And I'm, I'm happy to say, and I think I could say this without having to pay any royalties, Deacon, I am your father. <laughs> I don't think George Lucas is going to make me pay any royalties for that, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh welcome back deacon you have been gallivanting on pilgrimage and uh doing retreats and and men's conferences and stuff and and it's so good to be back in studio with you of course while while you were gone we uh we had a little uh, we had some encore shows and then we also got to read uh together the uh apostolic letter by pope pius the 12th defining the dogma of the assumption which was really lovely it was something i had not read all the way through until i began to prepare for it for uh the living stones uh audience and what a beautiful beautiful letter kind of um that both showed the uh the truths of the faith uh in this case a dogma that is defined in 1950, but had been part of the church's history since the earliest days. You know, like it was witnessed from the very second century at the at least. Uh, and so it was lovely to actually kind of read that together and to pray together, uh, especially in this month of August, which is devoted to Our Lady. So that was a, a wonderful uh, thing to read. But I'm so glad you're back because, gosh, now I have my friend back with me so that we can we can be joyful together and not just me having to express the joy of this dogma. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's uh, this has been a, a fairly busy summer for me travel wise because we're trying to make up uh, for pilgrimages that were canceled or postponed from 2020 sure. uh, during the pandemic. So this time we're in Poland and the Czech Republic and Germany. Uh, predominantly for the Passion Play in Upper Amagal, but we also went to Etal and and to Munich and uh, a couple other places, which were, um, you know, we went to see the Disney Castle, you know, that that the that Walt Disney. <laughs> oh yeah, modeled, yeah, yeah, the, uh, Is that of, yeah. Mad King Ludwig, uh, his uh, his castle yes. there yep, in Bavaria. Right. Yep. Um, yep, so. You know, and you were so kind to actually post videos on our page, on the Living Stones Media page on Facebook, so that we were able to actually kind of virtually be with you. And but I want to thank everybody uh, for the comments and, uh, and and things like that, and for your prayers during our travels. Everything went well. Nobody got sick. There was no issues with uh, Ukraine. Good. You know, we were in Poland. Right. You know, there are no issues with the war or anything. In fact. Um, the beautiful thing was we saw how Poland opened themselves up to refugees. It was a beautiful thing to see because remember Poland during World War II, same thing. A lot of countries opened their arms wide to receive uh, you know, the the Poles that were escaping uh, the Nazi regime. Right. You know, so you know now you know they remember their history. They're open their borders wide to for U Ukrainians to come in. It was a beautiful thing. 
um, that the Polish people are doing. There was no issues. I mean, we, we, in fact, it, you wouldn't even have known a war was going on. Um, you know, when we were in Poland, it was, it was awesome. Wow. And um, I, I think, I think next to the Holy Land, Poland's probably my favorite place to, to visit. It was just, it was just extraordinary. I mean, it was just extraordinary. See how the faith is being lived out there with such passion and conviction, especially in the culture today. You know, it's not like other countries where you go to and the churches are magnificent and they're beautiful, but they're empty, you know, and they're, they're basically become museums. Right. You know, but it wasn't like that in Poland. You know, people are there and they're packing the churches and they're and they're still in love. You know, so uh, it was uh, it was beautiful. And I, I go back in a heartbeat. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's a place I've not been yet, but I absolutely want to go. Of course, I want to go and, and visit, you know, the death cell of St. Maximilian Colby and oh, pray there. Yeah, that was, oh, that yeah. was, you know, and the thing is they won't, they won't let you inside, um, but you can walk by and see, and you can't take pictures. I would, obviously I would have filmed it, but sure. out of respect for all of the, the, the men and women who died in, in that part of the, um, and of the bunker that we were in, they did not allow any filming or picture taking. Sure. Um, but we did see uh, a candle that was placed in there by John Paul II when he visited. It's like a like an Easter candle, like a huge candle. So you can see the cell. You can you can put your hand in there. You can you know you can see the candle, but you just can't take any photos or video. So sure. um, so I, I so I did it outside after we came. You know, and it, I'm still processing. Uh, Auschwitz and and um, Birkenau, you know, um, yeah. man, oh man, it was uh, it was heavier than I thought. You know, I I saw Schindler's List, you know, and and you see all the movies and the documentaries about the Holocaust, but man, when you're walking through there, and uh, gosh, it was just it was chilling. It was um, it was haunting. It was chilling. It was it was uh, I was angry. You know, I was, uh, I was, it was like, how could human beings do this to each other? You know, it was, um, it was really, so to see the scale of it, you know, was, was really, um, was really something. So there was that, and there was also the beauty as well, you know, uh, the, the Divine Mercy uh, Shrine, you know, St. Faustina, sure. you know, going there and, and seeing her body and, and praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet at three o'clock in the church, you know, wow. and, and then the John Paul II um, uh, Shrine exhibit you know, museum shrine exhibit, which is right near there, um, which was just, I mean, I could have spent all day in there. I love John Paul II. Uh, and then going to Vadovice to the family home of John Paul II, which is a, a museum now, yeah. you know, which was also just incredible. And um, boy, Pol Poland was just something. It was, it was really, it was really moving. You Chestahova, say, you know, seeing the black Madonna, right? it was just like, what? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was something. You know, you say John Paul II, you love John Paul II, and I, I'm, of course, immediately taken back to him at World Youth Days and that chant, you know, John Paul II, we love you, and him responding, John Paul II, he loves you, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> beautiful, That's right. That's such right. a joy, wow. Yeah. Well, Deacon... Uh, now that you're back, we can resume our conversation, which we've been having for a while now, exploring the teaching of the church on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, of course, is the animating principle of the church, is the third person of the Blessed Trinity, with which whom we are actually, you know, most intimately involved. The, the, the Spirit is 
is the gift which is leading us into all truth. And and we've been talking about, for at least eight weeks now together, the, the teaching on the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to pick up our conversation. Last time, uh, before you went off gallivanting to preach the gospel and to pray, um, we were discussing the Holy Spirit in the Creed, and, uh, and particularly in the Nicene Creed. And so we had just begun discussing the phrase, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. So um, we mentioned this little phrase, and the Son, uh, and we kind of left our conversation off there. So maybe we should resume where we were. Yeah, so um, in in the Catechism, uh, it talks about, in, in the tradition in the West, in the Latin tradition of the Creed, we express it, uh, the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son, which is filioque in Latin, and that's where we get the, the phrase from. And it has a quote from the Council of Florence, uh, which meant in 1438, which explains like the Holy Spirit is eternally from the Father and the Son. So, of course, we think about Trinitarian uh, theology, right? We talk about the, the, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Uh, share and give love and life to each other continuously. And the, the Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son, which is so intense and personal that it that it gives life to a third, which is the, the Holy Spirit, the third person, Trinity, who gives everything back to the Father and the Son. So this wonderful relationship between, between the three. And it says, uh, the Holy Spirit is eternally from the Father and the Son. He has his nature and substance at once, from the Father and the Son. He proceeds eternally from both as from one principle and through one spiration, right? So, so in other words, there's not three gods. There's one God that shares one divine nature in the three persons uh, of the Trinity that continually are generating and giving to each other love, life, intimacy, and this eternal communion. Um, and then it goes on to talk about, remember, <laughs> there's this little uh, little uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, rift with, with the uh, Eastern Church mm-hmm. because uh, over this filioque cause, which has been ob- uh, resolved, by the way, which got resolved by Pope Paul VI uh, and the, um, I forget who the- Patriarch the, uh, Athenagoras. Patriarch Athen- okay, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, know, <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew you'd come up with it, Ken. Um, <laughs> But there was a the little tension there between the East and the West over the phrasing of that filioque clause, because the, the Eastern tradition expressed it, the Father's character as the first origin of the Spirit, co- confessing that the Spirit um, who proceeds from the Father, but yet it affirmed that it, it uh, that the that the uh, that he comes from the Father through the Son. Right. See. So, and we said the father and the son. They said father through the son. So, so there was a little bit of tension there. But again, that that's uh, been resolved. Um, so now we both, the East and the West, both agree on the understanding of of how the Holy Spirit proceeds. And and this is in the creed because again, this is one of the the fundamental principles of our faith. You know, uh, when the Father sends His Word, uh, He sent Jesus Christ, but He also sent His breath because Jesus says unless I go back to the father, we can't send the spirit, you know, and, and this, and you're right, Ken, it's the spirit that continues to be in relationship with us in a very intimate and personal way. 
uh, until we can be in heaven again with the father and the son and the spirit eternally. But the, but uh, Christ uh, father and the son sent us the Holy spirit. And the, 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 we talked about this before we began in this series, Ken, it's often hard to think about a relationship with the Holy spirit, right? Cause you can think about father. You can think about son because those are terms that we can understand, but spirit ghost you know, I mean, right, invisible. Right. I mean, it's. I mean, how do you have a relationship with something that's not uh, tangible, that's not visible? You know, when you think of Holy Spirit, you think of ghosts. Like, how do you have a relationship with, with a person that you can't see? You, you see, so 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 there's a. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, you can feel the Holy Spirit, right? And we talked about the different manifestations of the Spirit, right? Uh, the symbols of the wind, right? You can feel the wind but you can't see the wind but you know it's there especially if you fly you know <laughs> boom, 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 you're bumping around like right what's bumping us around i can't see anything well it's it's the wind you know so so maybe we want to just ref- talk about a little bit about that can about how can we have a relationship with the holy spirit yeah you know um i think that i think that's important to, to, to ponder that to think about that well and i I think back to earlier conversations we've had about this and in, in talking about the images and the manifestations of the spirit that we do know. And in, in most of them, the manifestations of the spirit are best known by their effects. I mean, you talked about the wind, the, and we read about the wind, even in the book of Genesis at the very beginning of Genesis, you know, in the creation story, it says that the earth was without form and void, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And this idea of, well, how would we know that the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters, except through the movement of the water, which is moved by the Spirit? Uh, we read about this also in the Gospel, in the Gospel of John. Uh, there's a healing story in which the the man is there at the pool of Bethsaida, and he's wants to to go into the water when the spirit is moving over the water. You know, the story was told that it was an angel that would stir the waters, and when people would enter into the waters, that that they would be healed. Um, again, it's evoking the image of the spirit moving over the water. Uh, you talked about the wind there moments ago, flying in the airplane, and you can feel the buffeting of the wind, right? The the plane all of a sudden, you know, jerks up and down and sideways, and you all of a sudden, everybody in the plane becomes a person of prayer when that happens, you know, during, a, <laughs> during an updraft. Um, and so, again, it's through the effects of the Spirit, and, and such it is in our life, too, in the Holy Spirit, in relation to the Holy Spirit, right? It's the effects of the Spirit in our life. I love the title that we use, even in the creed, we say he's the Lord and giver of life. And for us as Christians, it is truly he's the giver of eternal life, because it is through the spirit that we are actually, we first experience the stirrings of faith. That is a gift of the Spirit. It is through the spirit that we, uh, that is invoked upon the waters of baptism, into which we are baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord. It's the Spirit involved in this. It's the Spirit that's invoked, of course, at the uh, when we are confirmed, when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and are sealed in the Holy Spirit uh, at confirmation. The Spirit is present in all of these key moments in which we receive life. We receive 
divine life. We are adopted into the family of God because and through the Holy Spirit. And even our desire to be there is a gift of the Spirit. So I think very much of the effects of the Spirit as being our primary relationship with this otherwise, as you say, unseen and uh you know, unseen person of the Trinity. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and also, I mean, you can, in a sense, you can also feel the Holy Spirit, just like you could feel the wind. I, I remember, I, gosh, I remember nine years old, sitting, standing next to my mom and sitting next to my mom in mass in, in Christ the King in Hillside, New Jersey, nine years old. And looking at mass happening up at the altar. And I remember feeling attracted to the mass, what was going on up there, you know? Yeah. Um, and same thing when I, when I started staying in the monastery as a high school student, when they had their come and see program uh, back in the early eighties, um, I, I loved praying with the monks. I loved the silence of the monastery. And I was 14. You know, and and fourteen year olds are normally not attracted to something like that, right? You know, um, you know, but but I was I remember being very attracted to that life, right? And of course, then go and and living in the monastery and discerning a, a call with the Benedictines, and 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 there's still things about that life that I miss even now, uh, quite uh, honestly, if I'm honest. You know, um, not saying I I mean I love my life now, right? But sure, but but there's there's still uh, a, a pull, a tug, an attraction, even toward the diaconate. I remember clearly at the Easter Vigil Mass um, that that voice pulling me or attracting me toward the diaconate. I mean, so there's definitely manifestations of the Spirit that we can experience when we're open to listening to God's voice in our lives. When we when we 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 want to unite our will to God's will. We, we, we want and desire to do the will of God. I think the Holy Spirit is present and active, helping us to get there, right? It's the Holy Spirit, for example, um, that that uh, helps us to cooperate with virtue, right? Yep. I, I was yep. saying this in, in um, uh, this past weekend at a catechetical conference in Oklahoma, um, where it's like athlete, right? You think of, um, uh, what's it, Michael Phelps, right, swimming. And all the things he had to give up, all the good things he had to sacrifice and give up in order to be great, you know, um, getting up early in the morning, spending hours and hours in the pool, not hanging out with his friends, not eating whatever he wanted, you know, so he could, his body could become a machine, you know, and the discipline and, and the listening to a coach, even when you didn't feel like swimming that day or whatever, you know, just the discipline. And and the church gives us that in, in virtue, the practice of virtue. You have to give up good things. Right. Like, you know, human sexuality, you know, until you're in a covenant relationship of marriage. Um uh uh or you know you have to give up uh like during Lent you give things up. I mean right. those are good things in order to help us to become great. You know, and it's the Holy Spirit that's working and active and present in all of that to really help us ultimately to become the person who God created and calls each one of us to be. That's a wonderful kind of uh, reminder that the, even the, the, even when we say no to something, we're actually saying yes. 
you know, in virtue, when we say no to gluttony, when we say no to self-abuse, when we say no to, you know, just uh, making Sundays our own and not and not making them devoted to worshiping. When we do these things, when we say no to things that we could otherwise perceive as good, we're actually saying yes. We're saying yes to being formed in virtue. You know, as long as we're, we're, we want to be formed in virtue, we ask to be formed in virtue, even that desire, as, it's, as we hear in the, in the Eucharistic prayer, even that desire to thank God is itself God's gift to us. You know, bringing us into right relationship with ourselves, with our community, but most importantly with our God. And that's a wonderful kind of reminder. Virtue is a good thing. Um, one thing that comes to mind, probably the effect of the Holy Spirit that we encounter most often is in the fact that the Holy Spirit is that is the inspirer of the sacred scriptures, which we hear and we pray with. We hear in our worship. We pray with in the liturgy of the hours. We pray with when we recite the when we pray the rosary, we're quoting scripture. When we pray the Our Father, we're quoting sacred scripture. Jesus Christ is the word of the Father, but the Holy Spirit is the inspirer of the divine sacred scriptures. And so they work together, right? When we say that we are people of the word, we're talking about being people of a person, Jesus Christ. And we have the gift of the sacred scriptures to keep us always mindful of who Christ was, who, how God has reached out in to redeem a fallen world, and then to give us to give us practical advice, like Saint Paul wrote to the churches and said, "Here's how you can be ever more faithful to Jesus Christ, to God the Father, in the gift of the Holy Spirit." So, the Spirit, as the inspirer of the sacred scriptures, is probably the effect that we encounter most often. That's right, and that gets to the last part of the creed. You know, where it says uh, um, uh, spoken through the prophets, right? Mm -hmm. uh, inspired those amazing um, writers of scripture uh, who who weren't just pens, right? So right. they were just, I'm a divine pen. And I'm just, no, they were using um, uh, human um All of their uh, human gifts right? and all of their yeah, human all limitations. The human faculties. That's right. That's right. In those scriptures. And so. So there, there's what the human author was trying to get across, but then the deeper reality is what is God saying yep. through those scriptures, you know, and and the and that's why I think biblical typology, you know, how things in the Old Testament point toward and are fulfilled by things in the New Testament. I think that's a beautiful testimony to the Holy Spirit working. You know, yep. um, one of my favorite ones is uh, Genesis, where the uh, Eve, the woman, comes from his side. You know, he's in this deep sleep. And he takes out a rib and builds up the woman, right? And brings her to him as a gift. And you see Christ on the cross in the, in the sleep of death, right? And then Longinus spears him in the side and blood and water flow out, right? So St. John Chrysostom and the other fathers of the church would say the church was born from the side of Christ, right? right? So the, the bride comes forth from the side of the bridegroom while he's in the sleep of death on the cross, Right. And so, wow. And, and that beautiful analogy and, and, and the church is the bride. Right. And so what happens like like in a wedding, the father brings the bride. Right. To 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 and, and gives her, you know, gives her away. Right. To to her 
the man's going to be her her husband. Um, and God does the same thing in the garden. He brings her to him, you know, just like a father brings his daughter to to her husband, you know. So it's wow. just some beautiful connections. But it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, the, obviously when the Old Testament was written, they were thinking, wow, let's see its fulfillment in Jesus. So I'm going to write <laughs> this because I know Jesus is going to fulfill. They didn't, they didn't know any of that. Or Psalm 22. Um, written by King David, which is a messianic psalm of fulfillment. They tear holes in my hands and my feet and lay me in the dust of death. I can count every one of my bones. These people stare at me and gloat. They throw dice for my clothes. Yeah, I mean, 700 years. I mean, no way David would no, would be at the crucifix. There's no way he would know that would happen. Right. It was the Holy Spirit that helps us to see those beautiful connections. What is it? the classic phrase? The New Testament is hidden in the old. And the Old Testament is brought to light and fulfilled in the new. Yeah. The Holy Spirit has the long, is playing the long game here, people. Yeah, you know? that's right. <laughs> the real long game in this case. And that's the beauty, right? I mean, God chose, uh, you know, uh, our friend, friend of the show, Dr. Scott Hahn, has this wonderful book, A God Who Keeps His Promises, which explains the role of covenants in Scripture and how God is ever expanding his relationship to humankind. He starts with a couple, Adam and Eve, and then he goes to a family in Noah, and then he goes to a clan in Abraham, and then he goes to a nation in David. And then now, guess what? Now he's gone to the entire world in his own son, Jesus Christ, made a new and everlasting covenant with not just people who are related to Abraham, but to all of us. We are grafted into God's family, ever expanding and always calling us back into relationship with himself. He started, had to start somewhere. He started with just, you know, he started with, of course, by choosing Abraham and saying, you are going to be, your descendants will be as numerous as the sand of the, of the seashore or the stars in the sky. And that's us. That's you, me. We're stars. We're sand who just have to be grafted in. A whole bunch of, of, of uh, you know, mixed metaphors and similes all in that image there. But it, it's all there because God mm-hmm. loves us that much. Amen. Amen. Well, Deacon, we have actually, believe it or not, run out of time for tonight. But when we pick up our conversation next week, we're going to talk about how we speak with the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit helps us speak in prayer. So uh, I think it'll be a wonderful conversation, but we invite you to download previous episodes of the show by going to materdeiradio.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook at Living Stones Media. And you can see some beautiful videos of Deacon Harold's head there from his pilgrimage trip. So please do make sure you connect with us there. Uh, And then, of course, eventually he'll get them up on his YouTube channel. So you can see him even if you're not on Facebook. But Deacon, until we gather next week, might we uh, have a blessing? We almighty God bless you and keep you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M A T E R D E I radio.com.